What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And that was the first time in the phrase there in Genesis 22.6, when they says they went, sorry, that was the first word. The first word was Yelku. They went. It was characterized Abraham's life. He was the Lech Lacha man. He was the one who left after God said, Go, you go. And so it's the same word. But then there's the next word, Shnaim. Shnaim is very simple. It's the word two. Echad Shnaim. What is number one? Number two. So he says, You go to the two two of you. And now comes the most wonderful word in this chapter. Like I said, it's the first time in the Bible this word's been used. And it's just like God was keeping this word in the Bible till now when he introduces the meaning of this word in the most dramatic way in this history of Abraham and Isaac. And so first time now, God is like, put the package of this word in front of us. It's all wrapped up. And he, and he, unwra- and he unwraps it. He says, there, there's the beautiful word, yachdav, yachdav. And you might say, yachdav, what's yachdav? Of course, you say, yachdav, what's it? Yachdav, right? They chop liver or something, yachdav. No, and you you might say, you know, yachdav, it sounds like echad, which is one. It sounds like that. But yachdav means to become one, to become one, or united, or united. It's a very important word, just the first time used here, and it's the center of Psalm 133. Psalm 133, where it said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's the last word, yachdav there. It goes, hinematov, behold how good, umanachayim, and how pleasant it is, shevet, to dwell, achim, brothers, gam, also, yachad, yachad, so hinematov, umanachayim, shevet, achim, gam, yachad, yachad, like yachdav. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to yachdav, to, to yachad, to, 
to become one, to become unified, to become united. Such a beautiful, and yet, I want you to take this verse, Psalm 133.1, I've just been quoting here, Psalm 133.1, and put it now in the context of Abraham and Isaac, and put it in the context of those three days when Abraham is walking with Isaac, and he's and, and Isaac, and, and, and they're becoming one here, and, and think about just the... Um, just, just think about it in a pensive way. There's two beautiful ways to sing this song, but there's a pensive way. It's a pensive. You can almost see them walking along in the process of them becoming united. And this chapter is all about this. It's all about this word, yachav. Yachad, it's becoming one. You know, that's what we do. We become, as believers, one. And when we have our differences, we have our differences. Of course, we have our differences. If you don't know, look around. We're all about yachad. We're all about becoming one. You know, as you know, uh, I'm not messianic, but I was asked to speak one time at the Lausanne Conference on, on uh, Jewish evangelism, and there were many messianic people there, many messianic people there were wearing yarmulkes, they had prayer shawls, they were eating only kosher food. Now, I didn't tell them that I just had a great pork chop before coming, but anyway. <laughs> Grant was saying kosher, and they were doing all these things, and with the little strings hanging down. I don't do any of that. You know, so I mean, I look like, oh man, he's gonna talk to us, you know. But, and, and you know what I told him? I told him, I said, listen, it's not what divides us that's important, it's what unites us. It's what unites us. We are united around the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about yachad. It's all about yachad, yachdav, yachad. It's all about that, becoming one, becoming united, because that makes God very happy. Very, very happy. Yachdav is becoming united. It's the same word, yachad, yachdav. In Psalm 133.1, it's all about that. It makes God very, very happy. And the Lord Jesus Christ expressed his desire for yachdav, for believers, when he said in John 17.22, John 17.22, that they may be one even as we are one. That every church needs to know that they are all about, as far as God is concerned, yachdav or yachad, the same thing. They're all about that, becoming one or united with each other, in spite of the differences that each person may have. It's all about yachdav. That's why a church that really emphasizes why you know everybody else is wrong and they're right, no, it's not the right way. Because Romans 12.5 says, Romans 12.5 says, so we being many are one body in Christ, everyone members one of another. We being men, many are yachdav, one body in Christ. We have become one in Christ, yachdav in Christ. Whereas it says in, in Galatians 3.28, Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. You are all yachdav, united in Christ. And, and this is to demonstrate all this, the beauty of this word here, to become united. It's really God's goal for a marriage. For a marriage, when, when God says in, in Genesis 2.24, Genesis 2.24, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and the two, the two shall become one flesh. One flesh. Echad basar, one flesh. Now look at the context in the unveiling of this beautiful word for the first time, this beautiful word, when he says in, G in Genesis 22, 6, our chapter here, verse 6, verse 6, shnaim yachad, 
the two became one. They became one. That's what it says there. And the scene shows us what is meant here. As I, here Isaac is all eyes. He's watching Abraham. You watch Abraham get the wood. He watches Abraham give him the wood to carry. Isaac is all eyes. He watches Abraham get the fire to burn the sacrifice. Isaac with all eyes watches Abraham get the knife. He watches Abraham get everything that's needed for the Abraham, he wa- for the sacrifice. Isaac, Isaac has watched Abraham get everything, like a checklist. Isaac has watched Abraham prepare before they left. This very slow, methodical way that we read about, Abraham has forgotten nothing. Abraham even thought of chopping the wood before they left. And Isaac knows, my father doesn't forget anything. And now they've stopped, and Abraham has meticulously gotten everything that's needed for the sacrifices, the wood, the fire, the knife. And, 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 and Isaac, you can see him there. He's got big eyes. He's watching. He knows his father so well. He's moving so deliberately. He knows his, my father doesn't forget any, anything. It's not going to happen. My father's going to get to the mountain and says, oh, what was I thinking? I forgot the animal for the sacrifice. How could I do that? No, he says, that's not it. Isaac knows that. He knows his father has forgotten nothing. He absolutely, so in short, now that Abraham and Isaac are ready to head off together, Isaac knows. He knows he's the sacrifice. You know, walk along there and say, oh, you know what? I think I might be the sacrifice. I think I'll ask. No, no, that was just confirmation of what he already knew. Maybe for a moment, maybe for a moment, just a moment, Isaac pauses just to consider, I'm the sacrifice. And maybe, maybe Isaac's, you know, he, he, he said, you know, I had a suspicion. Now I'm sure. It's not a maybe anymore. It's a reality. So now, just for a moment, Isaac just pauses with that realization, I sacrifice. And this is the beauty of the word yachad, yachdav. It's the beauty of the word yachdav. Because there in verse 6, as Isaac pauses for that moment to consider that reality is that he is the sacrifice, and at that moment, Isaac has a decision to make. Am I going to go or not go? Will I go with Abraham, or will I say, no, 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 I'm not willing to do that? That was the Yaqdav moment right there, when both Abraham and Isaac became one in their decision that Isaac would be the sacrifice. And after that moment of pause, after that time when, when Isaac, Isaac here says, I'm going to become one with my father, Abraham, in this decision, and after that moment, and he makes his decision, that's when God says, now I'm going to unveil for you the most beautiful word here in this chapter, Yachdav, right there. And that's how God chose to express the agreement that Isaac would be the sacrifice. When Abraham, with his desire to sacrifice Isaac, and Isaac, with his agreement to become the sacrifice, and they both come together, and it's Yachdav, and they're in agreement. And we can hear heaven rejoicing. And we can see angels in heaven, they're talking to each other, and they say, did you see that? Isaac has just agreed to let Abraham make him the sacrifice. And so, you know what's happening in heaven? The angels are having a yachtav meeting. I mean, not a meeting, a party up there. And they're singing too, and that's another way you can sing that song. Let's see, it goes... um goes on. See, it's like a party. 
And that's what's happening. And that's the beauty in the last part of Genesis 22.6 when it says they both went, they, they went both of them together, yachdav. They were just united in their agreement. Isaac is going to be the sacrifice. This is the meat behind the Shema in, in Deuteronomy 6.4. When it says, when it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Shema Yisrael, Yehovah Eloheinu, Yehovah Echad. It says God, that was God the Son as Jehovah, Jehovah in the Elohim of the Godhead, the Godhead. And the Godhead is all one, they're echad. God the Son is echad, is one with God the Father, that God the Son is gonna become the sacrifice just like it is there. God the Father, God the Son, Abraham, Isaac, Yachdav, God the Father, God the Son, echad, they're one. That's the Shema. That's the Shema. And it wasn't easy for Isaac. It wasn't easy to Isaac to realize that, that I'm the sacrifice. We can imagine that Isaac looking up to Abraham, his father, and silently, no words, but as the, the wood's being loaded onto him, he looks into Abraham's eyes and says, really? Does it have to be me? Is there any other way that it could maybe not be me? It, 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 I mean, really? Well, not my will, but... Your will, Father, be done. That's the point. When Isaac became the Yachdav, united with Abraham, just like we saw in the Lord, it all comes down and he sees the cup and he's there in the Garden of Gethsemane and the Lord Jesus also has his moment of, really? Does it have to be me? Is there any other way it could maybe not be me? Well, not what I want, but what you want, Father. Matthew 26, 39, Matthew 26, 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. That was the point when the Lord Jesus became holy yakdav, united with the father's will for him to become the sacrifice for the sins of the world. Is it really any wonder at all that there is a hell of eternal suffering for those who look at that gift and the cost of it was and all that went in and just said, nah, nah yeah, for you Christians, fine, not for me, no thank you, God. Such a costly gift. So now we see in Isaac no hesitation at all. He has become united. He's yucked up with Abraham's desire to sacrifice him. No hesitation from the Lord Jesus at this point, God the Son. He has become yucked up, united with the Father's desire to sacrifice him. This is the impact of the last statement here in verse 6, because off Abraham and Isaac walked, Shnaim Yechad, Shnaim Yechad, Shnaim Yechad. So they're walking off, and the two have become united, and they're walking together to the place of sacrifice. How beautiful. This scene is of Abraham, he's got the knife in his hand, he's got the fire in his hand, Isaac's carrying the wood, and both of them are walking together to this place of sacrifice. They're both inseparable in their united decision. That's beautiful, it's absolutely beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful scenes in the Bible. And from that scene, if we walked up to Isaac and we said, uh, <clears throat> you know, hey Isaac, uh, you, you sure you wanna do this? Then, then Isaac would turn to us and say, oh, I and my father are one. I and my father. A beautiful illustration of what the Lord said in John 10.30, John 10.30, I and my father are one. He meant I am yachad. 100% united with my father for me to become the sacrifice for the sins of the world. Now, 
We come now to another one of the most tender scenes in the Bible, which is in verse 7, verse 7, where it says, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. Second time, this word yachad is used. They, they continued on. Isaac has just asked for a, just a confirmation of what he knows is true. Just wants to hear it. And he got it. And he said, okay, still going together. Still yachad. He turns to his father with a loving, dependent eyes. He looks at his father. He asks one question, just to confirm. Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb? He already knows. He already knows. And he knew his father doesn't forget anything. Just look at the tenderness of this verse 7. Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father. We know it's his father, but it's emphasized. Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And in verse 8, Abraham replies back to him. He says, here am I, hineni, here am I, my son. He says, he says, my son. All this, my father, my son. Isaac is calling out to Abraham, my father, my father. I need you now more than ever, my father. Please don't push me away. Don't push me away, my father. I know I'm going to be sacrificed, but don't push me away. More than ever, I need you to hold me, my father. I need you to comfort me, my father. I need you to call me again, my son, because I'm afraid, my father. Please be near me now, my father. Please don't reject me. Please, more than ever, don't forsake me now, my father. Love me and be with me because I'm scared. Isaac could have said, my father, I just don't want to cry out. My father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? And why art thou so far from the words of my roaring, from helping me? Which were the words of the Lord Jesus in Psalm 22 from the cross. Isaac is saying all this to Abraham as he poses this question to Abraham. And Isaac is saying, my father, you have always loved me. Love me now. You have always told me the truth. Tell me the truth now. You have never hidden anything from me. Don't hide the truth from me now. And all this from Isaac, he's calling on Abraham, my father, and it's really a cry of Isaac, don't push me away. You know, it reminds me when, a period of time when, when, when I, Scantabodies, got deeply involved in the field of nephrology. Before that, I don't even know what nephrology was, but anyway. We discovered a new hormone, which is very important for dialysis patients. And then for the next 10 years, I was very involved as a member of the American Society of Nephrology and a member of the International Society of Nephrology and, and, and meetings and, and rubbing shoulders and giving talks and so forth. And during that time, I got close to many nephrologists around the country. And we did clinical studies together on dialysis patients. And I, and I, and I got into their head and I learned that in a dialysis clinic, as one nephrologist told me, we went into a clinic one time and he was trying to explain to me what it's like to work with his patients. And he says, he said, you see all these chairs in here? And I said, yeah. And he says, they're all going to be full tomorrow. And he says, and in one year, I know one-fourth of them will be empty because the diabetic patients die 25% per year. And as he was explaining to this, and I watched nephrologists at work, I saw how natural it was for the nephrologists to protect their emotions from getting too close to their patients. I also saw this with oncologists, I, I, with oncologists. It's a rough field, nephrology, nephrology, and dialysis patients are called end-stage renal disease, ESRD. Who has, a, who has a disease called end-stage, end of the rope, last, 
That's what it means. And, and so both the nephrologist and the oncologist, it's natural for them to guard their hearts. Otherwise, they'll, be, they'll have their heart ripped out of them. Uh, by the way, not like Dr. David Botkin here over at Grossmont, who, who was my wife's oncologist. He came to my wife's funeral service. But for most part, doctors who have patients who typically die kind of don't get too close. Well, what Isaac is doing here, he's calling out to Abraham and he's saying, Father, I know I'm going to die, but please don't treat me like nephrologist and oncologist. You don't even know what those were, but please don't, don't, please don't treat me like I'm terminal. I need you now, my father. More than ever, I need you now. So Abraham responds to Isaac, and, and, and he doesn't say, yeah, what is it? What, okay, what's up? He doesn't do that. You know, what is it now? He doesn't respond in this, in this cold, what do you want? What do you need? Because Abraham does not view Isaac as end stage. He doesn't guard his heart from Isaac by seeing Isaac as terminal. He's just full of love. He's full of tenderness. And Abraham just opens up his heart to Isaac, who's called him my father. And he says the same words that he said to God in verse 7, here am I, my son. He says, hineni, hineni v'ni. He says, here am I, my son. Abraham has said to Isaac, the hineni, in the same way that he, Abraham said it to God, when he, when he said that, he said, he's saying, yes, 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 my son. Hineni, I'm here for you, my son. I have not forsaken you, my son. I'm at your service, my son. You can rely on me, my son. How can I, what can I do for you, my son? The same way that he spoke to God. It was really hard for Abraham, but he did. Really, really been hard for us this last week because I don't know if I mentioned to you, but our accountant's son in Takati, who our accountant's been with us since we opened up our operations there in Takati over 15 years ago, and his son, Hondo, was, was as fit as could be, muscular bicyclist. He, he joined the U.S. Air Force and, and, and was riding bicycle all over the place, and all of a sudden he developed this big lump on his arm and, and, and it was sarcoma. And, and he went through terrible chemo there in, in, in Arizona. And his family stayed by his side. And the cancer came back with a vengeance all over his body. And he couldn't take the chemo anymore. Last week, he died at the age of 22. And all through the way, his family was at his bedside. And even though, his heart, even though their heart was being ripped up by it all, they did not dissociate themselves from him. And they felt they were dying with Hondo. But they chose not to guard their heart but instead they kept their heart just fully open and a full open love to Hondo as the days approached to his death. And there, this was Abraham. This was Abraham in this final walk, which is the approaching death of Isaac, just like Hondo's family. And Abraham chose to keep his heart open and a full and open love to Isaac as the hours were approaching toward Isaac's death. And this is what is meant in the full impact in verse seven when he calls out to his father, my father, and Isaac and Abraham responds, here am I, my son. Great illustration between the relationship between the Lord Jesus Christ with God the Father. When the Lord Jesus said in, in John 8, 29, John 8, 29, he that sent me is with me, the Father hath not met, left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. When the Lord Jesus said that, he said, the Father hath not left me alone. He was expressing just how much he loved the Father, the Father that was with him, never left him alone. And it was as if the Lord Jesus was saying, like Isaac, to, to God the Father, please don't forsake me. Don't dissociate yourself from me. Don't push me away from yourself because I'm terminal. I need you. Just like Isaac. But there was that time that was different when the Lord Jesus seemed like an eternity 
when the Lord Jesus was bearing the sins of the world on himself and God the Father did turn away from him and he cried out in Mark 15, 34. Mark 15, 34, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that was the difference between what happened to Isaac and what happened to the Lord Jesus. Isaac was never forsaken by Abraham, but the Lord Jesus was because that was the price that the Lord Jesus had to pay in order to become the sacrifice for our sins. He has to be, and he was, forsaken by his father when he took on him our sins. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.